0: All right, let me tell y'all about something about Anchor. If you ever want to start your own podcast or create your own podcast, Anchor makes it really easy. First of all, it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more popular platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All gas, no break. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the now we have liftoff New York Jets podcast. And of course, As always, I am your boy, John June. And of course, wouldn't be a show without my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what is going on, my brother?
1: What is good, John? What is up?
0: Not much, man. Not much. Uh, You just came back from a little vacay, so you're well-rested. I took a little mental break while you were away as well, so I'm a little well-rested. And we're ready to talk about the New York Jets, man, as they continue through their OTA practices, uh, last time we talked, they had just I think started their OTAs, or they were transitioning out of mini camp. Um, but now, or not transitioning out of mini camp, uh, transitioning out of rookie mini camp. Um, but now transitioning through the OTAs, headed to mandatory mini camp next week. Um, and before we get into all the, you know, all the good news and all the the positive vibes, there is one. Not so positive vibe that we got to talk about, Frank. And that is Makai Becton, Joe Douglas's first draft pick. Seems to be dealing with a plantar uh, fascia issue. Um, you know, Jets don't seem too concerned because he doesn't have to have surgery or anything. But uh, Makai Becton, he's a large man, 380 plus pounds. And I think that's being generous. Um you know, Robert Solid did have some things to say uh, in regards to professionalism and uh, not just, you know, talking about Makai, but I'm sure he was talking about Makai, you, know, you know, as any coach would, um, is, you know, he's got to be able to take better care of his body, whether it's his nutrition and his diet and, and exercise, they've got to be because their body's their moneymaker and they've got to be in tip-top condition uh, to be able to to play this game at a high level frank are you concerned about makai then? And, and what are your thoughts about what sala had to say
1: i'm beginning to get a little concerned john as you said that he's a he's a big dude and the problem with guys that are that tall that big is that sometimes they have these nagging injuries that just compound and compound on each other so we got to wait and find out hopefully it's not that bad Plantar fasciitis could uh, be a lingering problem for him.
0: Yeah, and I think especially like you were saying, he's a big guy. And so when you think about big guys, especially these offensive defensive linemen, it's a big thing in basketball too. Um, your feet, man. Your feet, that's a lot of weight that's getting put on your feet. That's a lot of stress that those feet are, are taking on. And it could be tough, especially when you're an athlete like Makai Becton who's who's reliant on explosiveness, right? Because um, he's got to be able to explode off that ball, and he's 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 pushing a lot of weight on that on those feet of his, and so uh, makes sense why they were bringing a guy in like Morgan Moses, formerly of the Washington Football Team, brought him in for a visit. Uh, he went to go visit with the Chicago Bears as well. So there's definitely there's definitely something there uh, in terms of you know, some smoke or Morgan Moses potentially being on the jets radar. Uh, So what are your thoughts about that potential signing there, Frank? Uh, Do you see him as purely an insurance policy? Is he somebody that they're going to bring in to slide over at a right tackle and make George Fant the insurance policy or what, you know, how do you see Morgan Moses potentially fitting in here?
1: Well, first of all, I like that they brought him in. I like Joe Douglas doing his deal diligence. And if it was up to me, I'd ask Morgan Moses if he would be comfortable sliding into right guard because I think then you have a really solid offensive line for our rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. But I'm not 100% sure if he's willing to do that. So if it was me and Morgan Moses isn't um, willing to do that, I'll put him at right tackle as the swing tackle. And now you have really good depth. On that
0: offensive line, yeah, I mean it's definitely gonna. I mean, I'm, I'm I want to mo- put Morgan Moses at right guard, upgrade that right guard spot. This offensive line, it, I think it would take that to a whole new level if you've got Elijah Vera Tucker next to Makai Becton on the left side, and then you've got Morgan Moses next to George Fant on the right, and then uh, obviously McGovern at center. I don't think that Fant can play guard. I know I've seen that thrown around a little bit. I definitely don't think that he can do that. I mean, again, I could be wrong, but this is a guy that was playing tight end and playing, is playing left tackle and some right tackle, and he's better in, in these wide zone run schemes than he is these power schemes. Uh, and he's, like, again, he's 6'6", like just over 300 pounds. Putting a guy like that on the inside, he doesn't have a whole ton of girth. So I'm not really with that move. But Morgan Moses at 330 pounds, I think I'm uh, I could definitely see him playing some guard here. So... I mean, hopefully Makai Becton's okay and and we don't need much of this insurance policy. But if you want Zach Wilson to be successful and you want to kind of guarantee that he comes off on the right foot, you want this offensive line to be as good as it possibly can be. And speaking of Zach Wilson, man has apparently been balling at OTAs, um, has, you know, showed some of that. Accuracy that we've talked about, the ball placement has also shown some zip and velocity. Has also been able to show some touch as well. Um, Frank, what have been what have your reactions to the early returns on Zach Wilson? And granted, it's, again, still OTAs, but we could hear that Zach Wilson looks terrible, right? And or we could hear he looks great. If I had to pick one, I, I want to hear that he looks great. So, what are you, what's your reaction here, Frank?
1: Well, first off, you're not hearing the things uh, that we heard when we drafted Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> He's nowhere near ready to see the field. So that's a good sign. And I didn't realize how much accuracy this kid throws with. Like, Silo talked about how he... Everyone knows that he has this cannon for an arm. But he said it's really early... To be seeing him throwing those changeups, where he'll realize that he's got a tight window and he doesn't just pepper the ball in there; that he's actually putting a lot of touch on the ball, where only the receiver could catch the ball.
0: Yeah, man, and that was one of my favorite things about Zach Wilson. Right, was the fact that this guy he has the ability to basically put the ball where he wants, and I and that was one of the things I talked about in one in our very early episodes. Of 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 the now we have liftoff New York Jets podcast when talking about Zach Wilson was, I don't care whether he's playing at BYU or he's playing against Utah or he's playing against Ohio State or whoever he's playing like like, oh, uh a tight window is a tight window. Right. So it doesn't matter what level it's at. And if this guy had that ability at that level, I th- he has that ability at this level. And I think we're seeing that. And I think that's one that's some of the stuff that's being reported. Um, but obviously have high expectations for Zach Wilson, not just him. The other weapons that they've the are the other players that they've added into this offense as well. You know, Um. Elijah Moore—he's a guy that has made a ton of noise early on in camp, especially with the Jamison Crowder situation. Uh, as if you haven't heard, uh, Jamison Crowder is uh, in in basically in talks with the Jets. They're trying to get him to cut his contract, uh, you know, take a lesser a lesser number less than the ten million dollars that he has uh, assigned to him as a salary this year. And so, Elijah Moore making use of those reps that are available to him and is outright just showing out at New York Jets OTAs granted again the Jets don't have a ton of of talent in the secondary especially not at practice uh you know Marcus Mays not in the field Ashton Davis he's he's dealing with an injury as well um and then we obviously know about the corner situation so Take it with a grain of salt, but you know some of the quotes that I'm hearing about Elijah Moore uh, just giving me some really, really good feelings. Frank, what about you?
1: Yeah, all the slot receivers that have been getting those reps have been performing out of this world. Braxton Burials has been performing well, but it's really good to see that you're hearing that Elijah Moore and Michael Carter are the first ones in the building trying to get that extra work, knowing that they're behind the eight ball being that they're rookies coming into a new system and they're trying to get ahead of schedule. So they hit the ground running when the season starts.
0: Yeah, that came via Brent Boyer saying, you know, Elijah Moore and Michael Carter one um, are both in there six thirty in the morning getting some extra work in, working on their bodies. Cause you know, that's what it's going to take for them to be successful at this level. And uh, to have that level of professionalism, uh, at a you know, as rookies, I think is is just phenomenal, especially you know, again, heard this about Elijah Moore. You heard you know AJ Brown and DK Metcalf have talked about how Elijah Moore has been an influence on them. Uh, and these are guys that are entering their third years in the league, respectively. So definitely excited about the player in Elijah Moore. Connor Hughes of the Athletic labeled him a star. Uh, this is that—that's high. That's pretty high praise. I mean, to call someone a star, um, two months into their NFL career, I, you know, I, I'm excited. I can't wait till you know the preseason schedules come out. I can't wait to to get our eyes on these guys for the first time. So uh, that'll be exciting. Um, Frank, we also heard from Obrick last week. Uh, Jeff Obrick, the defensive coordinator for the New York Jets. He had a lot of things to say. Uh, It was the first time the media had gotten to speak to him. Um, So what were your thoughts on some of the things that he had to say?
1: Immediately, the first thing that came to my mind was that he sounds exactly like Robert Sala. Everything that Robert Sala has been preaching, Ulrich seems like he's very enthusiastic, all about the players. Um, What really stuck out was when he said that there's not going to be this golden play to get the players out of jams, which I thought was really, really important. He's just going to let the players' athleticism and the players' knowledge to play solid, good defense.
0: Ulbricht said that the defense is not, its while it's simple, it's still, you know, complicated to learn, right? It's just simple in that they don't ask their players to do a lot of thinking. They have to they have to do a lot of you know they have to do some adjustments and some pre snap think some pre snap reading and keys and things like that but there's no thinking really when they're out there it's just doing and so I think that that's going to be huge I like what you were saying about how he reminds you of Salah you and I both agreed Obrick, he's a guy he's going to be a head coach one day I genuinely believe that because he just you know like similar to Salah just seems like a leader of men. Um, has good energy, has a presence about him. And so I, I look at Jeff Obrick and I'm like, that's a good guy to have as as the head as the, you know, the defensive coordinator. And he talked about how, you know, this defense is going to be you know, it it's going to be similar to what Salah had in San Fran. It is Salah's defense, but it's going to be Obrick making the calls, right? It's going to be Obrick um, you know, get putting these guys in positions to be successful. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a high, like it's going to have both of their fingerprints on it. And I think that's, that's good. And that's humbling. Uh That shows humility on, on both of their parts. Um Anything else you want to talk on, touch on about OTAs, Frank, before we jump into some uh positional breakdowns?
1: No, you just heard a lot of good things about the, about the rookies. AVT supposedly having a good camp. Elijah Moore had a crazy play where he caught a little swing pass. You had a defender about five yards away, and he just put on the jets, and he was gone.
0: Yeah, no, nah, man. The, the rookie class has been, has been definitely promising. Um, you know, even on the defensive side, Michael Carter the second getting a ton of reps. Hampson Nasruddin getting some reps with the uh, first team. Defense at the linebacker spot uh, with Blake Cashman, you know, dealing with an injury. So Surprise, um, surprise. Yeah, man. Surprise, surprise, man. Hamster, uh So, you know, it's definitely... Early returns are promising. Uh, I guess there is some good. There is some more bad though, because one somebody that's not looking all too sharp in camp right now. Uh, that's Denzel Mims has dealt with some drops. Uh, he's running mostly with the second team behind guys like Elijah Moore, um, Keelan Cole, as well as Braxton Berrios. So um cory davis obviously dealing with an injury there as well but what are your thoughts there are you worried about denzel mims do you think there's a possibility that he doesn't fit into this offense should jet fans have any concerns with mims
1: not quite yet maybe he's taking a little bit longer to learn the playbook because he you know came from baylor and that's an air raid type of offense Played for Adam Gase. Didn't get much run last year. So maybe it's just taken him a little while. He's still a, a young player. I think he has all the tools to be successful. I'm not going to start getting worried until we start seeing him play in the preseason. And I see him running with the twos and threes there.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at too, man. I mean, Mims is... He's a big bodied receiver. Uh, he's got good speed. It just... He doesn't... like. To say he fits this system, I mean, I, like, I don't know, right? Like, we could say that he doesn't necessarily fit, but like, then look at Corey Davis, right? I like, I think Corey Davis and Mims, similar players, similar style players. I mean, Mims a bit more of that vertical, that vertical presence, that vertical deep threat, but. Um, there's just been some talk that Mims doesn't fit in the offense because he's not necessarily a route runner or yards after catch guy, which I think Mims is is better after the catch than people might give him credit for as well. So I'm not cl- I'm not closing the door on Mims. I I just I do understand that Mims probably fit whatever Adam Gase's offense was. Mims probably fit it better than he fits this Lafleur uh, Shanahan offense, um, but. Again, the, he's the talent is there, and so one way or another, he's by the end of the year, he's he's going to end up as a as a top three, top four receiver on this team, depending on what happens with Jamison Crowder, obviously.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you on that.
0: All right, man, let's let's get into these positional breakdowns, then, man, um, because obviously, you know, we we have some time here between now and training camp. Now in the regular season, and we want to touch on some of these players and uh, some of these position groups in in a bit more detail than we we might usually do in in just in one episode. So um, we're going to dedicate, you know, uh, an episode to one or two position groups each week, and and uh, and just kind of talk through them. So we're going to start with the quarterback position, Frank. Uh, Obviously, we spent a ton of time talking about. About Zach Wilson, um, we'll touch a little bit on Zach Wilson, maybe what expectations are for uh, his season, and um, you know. But obviously, the fans have heard, the listeners have heard us talk about Zach Wilson almost like every day. So, or every time we're on this pod, so um, Frank, Zach Wilson, what are your expectations from him in year one? Um, you know, what are you thinking? From a maybe a a stat line perspective, um, you know, what would be a good year in in your eyes for, for Zach Wilson?
1: I think a good year in my eyes would be like 25 and 10, maybe two rushing touchdowns. I think it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. Got a rookie quarterback with a brand new coach, brand new system, young offensive coordinator. Young weapons all all the way around. I just think the early part of the season is going to be a little bit bumpy. I think once you hit week seven, week eight, I think he's really going to take off, pun intended. And we're going to really start to see that uh, development.
0: Yeah, man, I could totally see that. Uh, as, as all the listeners may or may not know, Frank, obviously I know you know, uh, I'm a fantasy football analyst as well. I, I do projections. And so my projections for Zach Wilson in year one, 40, just under 4,200 passing yards, uh, 23 passing touchdowns, 14 interceptions. So kind of in line with the 25 and 10 that you were asking for there, Frank. And I think that's definitely possible. And if that happens, that's going to be a you know, pretty good year from Zach Wilson to get 25 passing touchdowns and just 10 interceptions to go along with the, the two rushing touchdowns. Um, But yeah, I, you know, again, I, it will be up and down year. I referenced that before when we were talking about, when we talked about the schedule. Uh, But I think, you know, after those first, you know, seven, eight games, you're going to really see Zach Wilson start to be the guy that the, The Jets uh, thought they were getting with that, with the number two pick in the draft. So, Frank, let's move on to. We don't know who the backup is right now. I mean, there's kind of a competition here. uh, But what do you think of these other two guys on the roster? Uh, (laughs) What would the Jets look like if these guys were to end up on. And if, you know, Zach Wilson, God forbid, were to miss any time and and either one of these guys had to play, what would it potentially look like? And do the Jets need to address the backup quarterback position?
1: Well, let me start off in saying I don't think the Jets need to address the backup quarterback position. That might be a little bit of a hot take, but I'm probably more high on Mike White than most Jet fans or most analysts uh, When he was coming out of college, he was a really solid developmental prospect. Uh, White has really excellent passing instincts. He possesses all the physical traits. Has plenty of arm strength. Not Zach Wilson arm strength, but enough to... If Zach Wilson went down for a short stretch, that... He could make do. He has good touch on the ball. He's accurate. Hits his target in stride. The only really con that I would have for him is that he's not really athletic. He's that old-school, stand-in-the-pocket quarterback. And if the offensive line isn't giving him enough time, it could be detrimental to the offense.
0: Yeah, I mean... uh I don't know Mike Mike White and and James Morgan I'm kind of with you I mean I know you and I have talked about this off air I don't really like if the Jets have to put a backup quarterback in like what does it matter like the season's not going to matter the nothing nothing should matter because like Mike White's not very good James Morgan's not very good uh, you know I the roster is not very good to a point where they can carry a backup quarterback anyway. So, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I'm wrong there, but that's just kind of my opinion with that. So, that's why I don't put a whole lot of value into who the backup is. Um, you know, Mike White, James Morgan, tough to really say what they are. We've never seen them play in the NFL. We've never even seen... Um, you know, Mike White's played in some preseason games he was a fifth round pick of Dallas back in 2018 um, James Morgan we've literally never seen him play in an NFL game uh, the, the, you know the there was no preseason last year so uh, one guy I think I do know I, I we, you and I talked about him earlier today uh, Nick Mullins I think he would be a perfect fit I've talked about him actually before um, he would be a perfect fit in my opinion uh, as a guy. That if anything were to happen to Zach Wilson, the the offense would at least look respectable. And he's not going to cost you a lot of money. He's a free agent right now. um, 26 years old. So, uh, you know, this is a guy that, again, knows the offense, has familiarity with both Salah and LaFleur. And it shouldn't cost you a lot of money. And at least you know what he is over guys like, you know, Mike White and James Morgan
1: yeah i i agree to a point i just don't think we need to spend capital to bring in another journeyman type quarterback
0: yeah no i and i get it i totally get it um you know but again quarterback position it's it's really it's really plain and simple here it comes down to zach wilson uh this this team uh this offense will go as as far as he goes and and so um really looking forward to what he can bring in year one and the impact that he can make. Um, but moving on to the running back position, man preview, like as we re like, I guess preview this position heading into training camp through OTAs. It's tough. Cause there's no contact offensive line and defensive line. Aren't really, aren't really banging bodies like that. And uh, the running backs, you know, you can't really touch them anyway. and, and hard, you know, some guy like a guy like Josh Adams or maybe even a, a Michael Piron they probably run better they probably look better when they're when the pads are on right so um i'm not going to put a ton of stock into what we've heard what we've what we've heard through OTAs but um which of these running backs Frank do you think will have the biggest impact in you know in, in for the, for the Jets in 2021 and how do you see, I guess, these touches being distributed? Do, do you see more of a committee? Or will there be one or two guys that kind of really lead this thing?
1: It's so hard to say, right, uh, when we're talking about divvying up the ball. Because Michael Carter, from all accounts, is a really good back. It seems that Salah is still high on P. Ryan, even though me and you not so sure. Kevin Coleman, Sala loves that he brought them over. And in my opinion, I think Ty Johnson's a home run hitter every time he touches the ball. In my opinion, I think Pete Ryan is going to be the key to this offense because he's the only downhill type running back on this roster. And they're going to need that running back to get three. To three and a half yards of carry to stay in front of the chains so this offense can operate how they want want it to operate.
0: Yeah, I, I actually am not a fan of Piron. I don't think he's remotely the key to this this run game or this offense. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, he's remotely he's the only guy who's remotely a downhill runner, but this offense doesn't call for for really a downhill runner, right? It's the wide zone run scheme. Uh go guys that can get to the edge, guys that have vision, um and guys that can that can hit a home run. And like you said, Ty Johnson, he's a home run hitter. Michael Carter, also a home run hitter. Um Tevin Coleman I mean I've made fun of him for being old, but apparently Tevin Coleman has been flashing in camp. Um and while I know I just said I don't put a ton of I don't put a ton of stock into what these guys are doing a guy like Tevin Coleman, I put a little bit more stock into it because I, I Tevin Coleman's been an NFL running back for six years now. I don't question if he can find a hole. My only question is, is he be able, Is he going to be able to get to it? And and for by all accounts, he looks he looks spry, uh, he looks fresh after having dealt with some injuries the last couple of years in San Fran. So Tevin Coleman, if he stays healthy, will definitely be. Uh, have a role in this offense. So I think if I would have had if i you know, don't want to call myself a betting man, I do place bets every now and then, but if I had to put a bet on it, Michael Carter would lead this team in carries uh, and the lead running backs in receptions. Uh, Ty Johnson will be second there um, within the carry department. And then you'll have Tevin Coleman mixing in, doing a little bit of, you know, running the football as well as being used as a receiver. Um, but, again, he's always dealt, you know, been one to deal with injuries as, you know, the running back position is one of the more injury-prone positions. Um, but, yeah, again, just not a huge fan of Michael Carter. Or, or sorry, not Michael Carter, Michael Piran. I love Michael Carter. Not a huge fan of Michael Piran. And Josh Adams, to me, don't know how much of a role that he could really have on this team.
1: No, his, his role kind of got squashed when the Jets signed Tevin Coleman.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe Josh Adams can make some kind of impact on special teams. Um, I think that's where I, I, he fits. I think,
1: I think that's where he fits. Right.
0: I mean, if you're Josh Adams or Michael Piron, you're going to have to play special teams. I think. Right. And so, if you're going to want to stick on this stick on this roster, um, all right, man. I think that's all we got in terms of the the running backs and 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 uh, I mean Austin Walter. I mean, we could talk about him, but he might not even make it out of training camp. Um, I'll feel really dumb if he ends up as the team's leading rusher or something. (laughs) That'd be crazy, (laughs) right? Um, But yeah, man. I mean, I'm excited about this running back group. Like we said, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson—they got juice. There's Uh, a lot of speed here. The juice, a lot of speed. So that's exciting, Frank. I don't know if we have a closeout segment today. I don't. I don't even think we talked about that. But unless you want to, you got something off the whim
1: no I think we're good uh talking about these positional breakdowns for now we'll we'll bring that segment we'll bring that segment back. I know we have uh, a game plan for the next couple of weeks so we'll bring that uh the throwback um segment as the season nears closer
0: uh there you go you heard ladies and gentlemen you heard it from Frank himself the uh we are we're putting the old time uh, reminiscing and pick uh, picking up—I uh, don't even know what to call it. Just asking these questions about reminiscing about old times and old players. We're putting it on hold for now, uh, but don't worry—you'll uh, you'll be getting it soon enough. Make sure to catch us in two weeks. We'll continue to breaking down OTAs and minicamp, and continuing to do these positional breakdowns. You want to know which position we're going to do next? Got to have, got to come back in two weeks and find out. But with that being said, everyone, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you taking the time uh, to 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 listen to us talk about our beloved New York Jets. And uh, make sure you're you're checking us out on Twitter and Instagram. Again, I'm at JRFootballNerd Football Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. Frank is at Frankie Bots on Twitter at Frankie G fifty three on Instagram, and you can follow the show at liftoff underscore NYJ on Twitter and Instagram as well. And with that being said, everyone, have a good one, and we will talk to you all in two weeks. Deuces.